Welcome to the Irish Life Podcast. Today we cover COVID-19, a markets update. Presented by Richard Lavelle, Head of Proposition at Irish Life, and Lenny McLaughlin, Economist at Irish Life Investment Managers. Morning everyone, and thanks very much for logging on this morning. We last spoke to you on the 4th of March, when uh, we, I suppose we were just beginning to head into this crisis and things have evolved fairly significantly since then. So we thought it would be worthwhile for Lenny to come and give you a further update as to how we think things are evolving and, and what has been going on and what we think may be to come. And without further ado, I'll hand over to Lenny. Thanks very much, Richard, and good morning, everybody. Uh, so I'm just going to give you a quick run through in terms of where markets are, what the main developments have been since we last spoke about a week and a half ago, and where we think markets are going to go from here. Uh, so just first of all, a uh, quick snapshot in terms of market movements. Uh, so obviously the last couple of days have seen significant moves in markets. And really, I suppose, what we've seen over the course of the last couple of days is a reaction to, one, the extension, I would say, of the restrictions across Italy. And the expectation that you're going to see those being replicated elsewhere across Europe and potentially in the States at some point, and the negative impact that obviously will have on growth, particularly in Italy, but also potentially in some of the other regions where we may well see these restrictions coming through. Uh, the second issue over the course of this week, and particularly I would say over the last two days, has just been the further explosion of new cases coming through uh, globally uh, on a daily basis. And what we have seen is case numbers rise over the last two days to about 8,000 per day, uh, which is what we saw in total when we had SARS back in 2003 over a space of eight months. Uh, and that again has just led to fears that this is going to continue uh, and that the impact on growth is going to continue for a significant period of time. So quickly just looking at the chart on the left here, we can see that equities have continued to fall this week. They're down 16% uh, as of uh, yesterday for the week uh, to date. Uh, and that gives us a fall from the high, all-time high, which was only three weeks ago. It's hard to believe, but we're down just under 26% uh, from the all-time highs just under, or just over three weeks ago. Uh, just looking at the, the moves that we saw yesterday, uh, again, very, very large moves. Uh, the second largest fall that we've seen ever in the U.S. market, uh, the only large fall was back in uh, Black Monday back in uh, 1987. So very, very sharp moves. We're now in an official bear market, having uh, fallen 20% and more. Uh, from the highs. So the, the, the bull run that we've had since 2009 uh, officially is over with this correction that we've seen over the last three weeks. Uh, in terms of German and US bond yields on the right, you can see that they have continued to fall uh, through much of the earlier part of the week in particular. Uh, we saw US 10-year yields fall to new all-time lows of 31 basis points uh, on Monday. And similarly, the same day, we saw the German 10-year yield fall to a negative uh, minus 87 basis points. Now, in the chart, you can see there's been a little bit of an upward blip uh, over the last couple of days, and that really relates to the increasing talk and speculation about fiscal packages coming through in both countries, uh, and with that, uh, potential increase in supply, uh, and that has caused those yields to rise a little bit. But we, we think any potential rise in the back of fiscal packages will be quite limited. But what we have seen, I suppose, is that ongoing reappraisal of the growth backdrop with those two major developments that we have seen over the course of this week. Just quickly looking at the economic side of things, uh, the market at this point are obviously uh, discounting a close to a worst case outcome, I would say, in terms of the economic backdrop. Uh, and we've seen a significant and rapid reappraisal instead of, of the growth outlook. A couple of charts here, just the global PMIs for February. And uh, we can see here uh, that there has been a sharp fall in the global PMI, composite PMI, which is the black line. 
that much of that has been driven by China. So if you look at the European PMI in particular, which is the, the grey line here, but also I don't have it in this chart, but the UK one, they, they actually increased in, in, in February, uh, although the US one did dip. So the real driver of the lower level of PMI uh, for the global economy has really been driven by China. But what we have seen, as I said, is a significant downward shift in terms of the ex expectations for growth levels. But where the PMIs would currently sit in the global economy would be consistent with growth for the year in the global economy of about 0.8%, uh, so much, much lower than people have been expecting, even two or three, week, three weeks ago when we were still kind of talking about levels of growth in the global economy of about 2.4-2.5%. Now, I do think those PMIs probably overstate uh, the impact on growth of the global economy over the course of 2020, and I said much of that is driven by the Chinese PMI, which you can see in the middle here, uh, a, a huge correction for the February PMI, as many people had expected, but probably even lower than than many people were talking about, I would say. So we've fallen to uh, historic all-time lows in terms of that PMI. Um, with the recovery that we're seeing in China, and I'll touch on that in a second, I would expect that PMI to improve going forward, and that then would be reflected in better PMIs for the global economy. But nevertheless, you can see where the pressure is coming from initially in terms of the weakness that we're seeing in the Chinese economy. I've just shown the daily new cases here in the far right, uh, and you can clearly see uh, the markets kind of peaked when we saw that kind of trough in those daily new cases, and, and all those new cases that we've seen coming through recently are all outside China. Chinese new cases are actually very, very low at this stage. We're only talking about 20 new cases per day in China over the last week or so. So kind of all those new cases are coming outside China, and as I said, the last two days in particular, we've seen a rise up to about 8,000, and that really has given rise to concerns that we still have not contained the virus. In terms of the kind of economic backdrop and forecast in terms of where they now sit, uh, we continue to see a ratcheting down, I would say, of global growth forecasts. Uh, so as of now, uh, I would say consensus is expecting a negative rate of growth in the first quarter in the global economy of about minus 1.4% annualized, uh, so a sharp contraction in the global economy, a lot of that being driven by China. So again, I would say expectations around Chinese growth have continued to come down. So we're now expecting or the kind of figure being spoken about is about minus 6% annualized rate of growth in China in the first quarter. Uh, now, consensus does expect a pickup in Q2. So at the moment, I would say consensus is still talking about a growth rate in the second quarter of about 3.5%. To be honest, I think given where uh, things have gone over the last couple of days, I think we're now likely in the situation where we could actually see negative growth for the global economy in the second quarter. I do think you'll see a recovery in China, but I think given the weakness that we're likely to see across Europe and the US in particular, I think we will now have a technical recession in that we will have two negative quarters, uh, two consecutive negative quarters of growth. Uh, I still do think we'll see a recovery in the second half of the year, but I said we're now in a situation where we will actually probably have a recession in the global economy. Just looking at China very quickly again, we touched on this last week, in terms of those high frequency data points that we see in China, they have continued to pick up. Uh, I would say they're now running at levels that would be consistent with growth or in terms of activity levels in China of about 70% of normal levels. So again, a slow, steady pickup. Again, referring back to those PMIs that I mentioned earlier for China, a question was asked in the last month's survey, when would they expect or when would corporates expect China to be fully up and running? Uh, and they said or indicated in those surveys that they would expect activity levels to be running at 95% of normal levels by the end of March. So again, with those case numbers in China being very, very low over the last week or so, uh, our, our sense is that you will, by the end of this month, have China more or less fully back at normal levels of activity, which 
would be helpful for supply chains, but again, would also show that in the space of about a month and a half to two months, if containment measures are done properly, you can actually get economies back on track again. So in terms of some of the main developments that have happened over the last uh, week and a half or so, um, so markets are kind of factoring in a, a significant economic sh shock at this stage and authorities have moved, I would say, both on the fiscal and the monetary side of things to try and offset this. Now, I would say we probably still haven't seen enough. You can see the market's reactions to the various packages that have been announced. They've caused a temporary rise, I would say, in equity markets, uh, but the sell-off has, has kind of continued uh, very shortly after that. So the market is saying we still haven't seen enough on either the fiscal or the monetary side of things, and I do believe we will see more on both fronts coming through uh, and ultimately I think we will uh, get to a stage where we will get a sufficient policy response from both sets of authorities. But just looking uh, I suppose in terms of what we have seen, first of all in terms of the central banks, in terms of rate cuts, uh, the Fed obviously announced the, uh, the half percent cut last week, they're actually due to meet on the 18th again. Uh, the expectation now uh, is that they will probably cut uh, by 100 basis points uh, next Wednesday, so that will effectively bring them down to zero. There's increasing talk and suggestions as well that they will announce a new asset purchaser QE program uh, and uh, in the last couple of days as well they've pumped additional liquidity into the market which has been helpful. The ECB met yesterday, they expanded the QE program, they're now going to purchase 13 billion assets per month as opposed, oh, sorry, 33 billion per month as opposed to 20 million per billion per month previously and they announced, also announced increased funding for banks at more favourable rates which hopefully will improve uh, the lending uh, across the Europe economy. The Bank of England similarly this week announced a half percent cut in rates as well and also announced the funding scheme for uh, small and uh, medium enterprises uh, which again will hopefully kind of ease the credit constraints and access to money that you're seeing uh, across uh, that sector and again you're seeing similar actions I would say across other economies. In terms of other banks that have cut you've seen the Bank of Canada cut, the Reserve Bank of Australia cut and again Asian banks, central banks have been, uh, have been cutting rates again. On the fiscal side of things we mentioned before that Asian economies have announced a number of packages. You're seeing additional packages coming through around other countries now. So Italy has uh, increased its fiscal package four times at this stage. The package is up to about 25 billion euros at this stage, which is uh, around 4% of GDP. In Europe, there is increasing talk of suspension of the fiscal rules and hence just opening the doors uh, an opportunity for increased fiscal and substantial fiscal spending across Europe. Germany last night apparently uh, stated it would do whatever it takes uh, to actually offset the impact on the economy. So again, I would say there's increasing suggestions coming through from Europe that over the next uh, period of time, you will see substantial fiscal programs coming through. Uh, the US, seeing the various announcements from Trump in terms of potentially uh, announcing packages will, which will uh, effectively pay uh, people who are at home sick from the virus. Uh, he's also talking about supporting loans uh, for SMEs again and enhancing the unemployment benefit. Um, the suggestion is that a 200 billion program will be put in place. There hasn't been any agreed terms in relation to the size of a jet, but 200 billion has been spoken about, which is about 1% of GDP. And in the UK this week as well, we saw a 30 billion program coming through, again, covering many of the areas that I mentioned earlier that you've seen in other, uh, in other countries as well. Um, I, I do get a sense that uh, you will 
will see potential increases in some of those programs. Uh, and, and there's been a suggestion, uh, again, that the 200 billion, even though it's 1% of GDP in the US, uh, that at some point in the future, again, just given the reaction that you've seen in markets and the belief, I would say, that these programs coming through are not sufficient yet, uh, that you, you will get further increases in these packages over time. You know, the, the market itself, as I mentioned, is, you know, just kind of temporarily reacting positively to these programs that have been announced. Uh, but until we get further increases coming through, uh, you're probably likely to see that volatility come, uh, continue in markets, I would say. Really what you need to see a floor on the markets, as I said, is a real belief that the virus is contained. And until we actually see those daily new numbers coming down, uh, I said that's unlikely to happen in the short term. So lastly, I mean, again, we've probably covered a number of these points already. Uh, I mentioned the case numbers in China. The other country I will mention is South Korea. Uh, so Korea, you probably remember, had the explosion in new numbers the same time as Italy. It was actually the same weekend. However, the measures that they've put in place in Korea have worked. Uh, and I would say the population have bought into it in terms of the social distancing. I would say it also just avoiding uh, mass gatherings. Uh, and I would say the testing in, in Korea in particular has been very, very far ahead of what you've seen elsewhere in terms of the numbers and, and the speed at which it's been done. And that's been very, very helpful. Uh, so while the, I suppose the restrictions they put in place in Korea were similar to the ones that Italy initially announced, uh, they've been far more effective in Korea in, in terms of people actually buying into it. Uh, and with that, what you've seen is the case numbers have rapidly come down in Korea over the last week or so. So within the space of about a week and a half, they had been running at about 750 to 800 new cases a day. They're now running at about 200. So again, I would say when you look at Korea and China, they, they approach it in slightly different, well, in significantly different ways, I would say, uh, but both have been successful in terms of getting those new cases down in a relatively short period of time. And I said that does give some comfort, I would say, that if the rest of the world, which to date probably hasn't happened, but if the right measures are taken and the population buy in, uh, then I think we can believe that we can actually see a containment of this over a relatively short period of time, which again, if that were to happen, would be positive in terms of the economic outlook, but also what it would mean for markets. You know, the various things I mentioned there, you know, China has obviously introduced a big fiscal package as well. There's increasing talk that the package at the moment, which is worth about 1% of GDP, as you get China back up and running and everybody back to work, uh, there have been suggestions that you could see an additional package in China of somewhere between 1% and 2% of GDP. And again, the reason that would only come through when everybody's back at work would be that the impact from it would be more meaningful uh, with, with the economy up and running. Uh, so there is a, a potential, once you see China uh, fully back in terms of operation being close to 100% of normal activity levels, that you could see an additional boost coming through from further fiscal uh, packages in, in, in China. And, and that obviously would be positive for what it would mean for Chinese growth, but also the knock-on impact, I would say, for the global economy. I suppose the big, big question is when will we see a, a, a floor or when will equities recover? And, and I think you know what you really need to see for that to happen, as I mentioned, is those case numbers globally to begin to come down on a daily basis. To be honest, I think it's very difficult to see that over the next three to four weeks. It's obvious that we've seen a huge underreporting of the cases, I would say, globally, but particularly in the States. Uh, and I think there is a risk over the next couple of weeks that we could see those case numbers continue to rise. A lot of that has probably factored in already, but until we see that peak, you know, I think it's very difficult to see any real sustained recovery in, in equity markets. Um, you know, the policy measures that have been introduced, they are, you know, positive. Uh, but I do think more is probably needed to ensure that the correction that we're seeing in the 
economy and global economy is relatively short-lived and that too contained to the first two quarters of the year with then the potential to recover in the second half of the year. Uh, and, and I do think you need to see more coming through on that policy side of things and I do believe you will see more um, and, and you know once we get to that point where you do see more coming through on a more coordinated basis, at the moment it's very piecemeal, uh, you, you probably need to see a more coordinated policy action, coordinated policy action across the globe, uh, which I think will happen. And, and if that is the case, then I do think that will ultimately provide some stability uh, to, the, to, to the economy. Kind of looking over the next kind of couple of months and through the second quarter, I think the key is to ensure that the credit risks that we mentioned before in terms of those corporates that are vulnerable, in terms of the levels of debt that they have and the risks that are posed by the threat to revenue, and you know these policies coming through in terms of supporting those corporates that are seen as more vulnerable do need to work and those credit issues need to be kind of dealt with, but also we need to ensure that we don't see any significant pickup, I would say, in unemployment, which obviously would be a key risk if we were to see that. So there are the things to work out, to, to, to watch out for. In terms of, you know, trying to put a level on the market in terms of what kind of valuation would you say, okay, now now the market looks cheap. You know, when we look at the market as of last night, uh, the P multiple is now 12 and a half times, which is what it was when we hit the low in December 2018. Now, obviously, there's a huge risk around earnings at the moment. The consensus is that earnings will grow 8% this year. If you take a very worst case scenario and assume there's a contraction in earnings of about 15% this year, that would put the market on the P multiple of about 15 times, which compares to a long-term average uh, of about 15, 15 and a half times. So, you know, we're, we're not too far away, I would say, from, from a floor in the market in terms of evaluation perspective. Uh, and, you know, you, you could, if you're looking at pure valuations, assuming a worst-case outcome, you could see maybe another five or seven percent downside, but you know there's so much uncertainty out there. I would say in terms of where growth is going, when these cases are going to be finally contained, uh, that that is very very difficult. I would say to to say with any huge conviction where the floor will be. But I said when you look at it on a pure valuation basis, we're, we're kind of getting to levels which would suggest that even if you assume a worst case outcome, that you're getting close to a level. I would say where valuations are beginning to suggest you could see some protection floor within kind of a kind of five or seven percent level from here but I said you know that 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 is very very uh, dependent on you know that recovery coming through in the second half of the year so I leave it there uh, I know we're kind of uh, uh, we have limited time this morning but uh, we will now open it up to Q&A thanks Lenny uh, for that it's fairly insightful it looks like it's going to be a, a game of two halves I suppose with the uh, volatility extending right the way through the half the year with potential for an upturn after that depending on as you said the stimuli working maybe increases to the stimuli and indeed um, I suppose those numbers going down uh, as ever timing is important in markets and uh, we always feel that that's something that we don't that that clients don't do well so holding the nerve I suppose is probably key in, in the current environment um, a question I suppose that most people will have in their mind is with regard to maps and with their so many clients invested in MAPS, what is the DSE signal been telling us? So the DSE signal has currently told us that, that to move 40% of the uh, global share allocation to cash. So uh, if we look at that, that means for MAPS uh, 3, where the target share uh, allocation to shares is 33%, it's now down at 19.8. And for MAPS 4, where, it's at four, where, where the target uh, tactical allocation is, is 45%, it's now down at 27 
5%. So we have moved substantially into cash over the last number of weeks to protect clients, uh, which we feel is prudent against the current backdrop of increasing volatility. Are we officially in a bearing market? I think Kenny and Lenny answered that. Yeah. <laughs> and we've answered the DSC question. Um, what is the future policy? Well, we continue to monitor market movements. Uh, DSC, as you know, is not a, is not a, it's a dispassionate thing. It's a function of a, of, of a various number of stimuli that we look at to see how that transfers into our decisions. Uh, and we continue to monitor that on an ongoing basis. Um, I don't think we have anything more at this stage. If there are any questions that come through, we will, of course, come back to you and, and answer those questions. Thanks very much once again, and thanks to Lenny for time. Mm -hmm.